0: The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6, from verse 1 to verse 2. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus warns against hypocrisy. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Valentine's Day is coming next Saturday. A great opportunity to, a, to do a good deed in secret. Or perhaps we do a good deed in secret on Valentine's Day because we want it recognised, really, and we want a reward. I was at boarding school, and when you were at boarding school, Valentine's Day was a traumatic moment because if you didn't get a card on Valentine's Day, uh, you were the butt of everybody's uh, sarcasm uh, for most of that week. And uh, it was great when you got a card, although I have to say, I think sometimes my cards must have come from my mum, <laughs> in which case great is her reward in heaven for being secret. How, how public should our acts of piety, how Public, should our good deeds be? That is the question Jesus now addresses in the Sermon on the Mount. As a Christian community, how should we do good? This week, this week we're looking at what we might call public piety, alms giving, giving uh, charitable giving, um, good deeds, if you like that sort of thing. And next week we're looking at private piety, specifically fasting and prayer, which is very apt, because that's just before Lent, when uh, traditionally we do give up something by way of fasting. What sort of community should we be in the light of Jesus' teaching about these things? Verse 1 sets the tone for both sections, for both public and private piety. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So that is how we are to give to the needy, how we are to fast and how we are to pray. It seems we are to be the sort of community that does a lot of unacknowledged good things. If one thing stuck in Jesus' throat, it was hypocrisy. He attacks these religious contemporaries for hypocrisy more than anything else. He observed, of course, shed loads of it around him at the time. And since this, the world throws this accusation at us, very often, very often Christians are accused of being hypocrites, we will do, do well to listen to what Jesus says. So let me ask you uh, to answer in your heart: why do you do the good things that you do? Assuming that you do occasionally do something good, that is. I assume you do. Why do you do it? Why are you doing it? Do you do good things to bring praise, honor, and glory to your Father in heaven? Do you do them because you genuinely love your neighbor and want to be a blessing to them? Or, if you're honest, do you think that these righteous acts will somehow give you better standing with God, or that others will look at you and think, what a good Christian person you must be. Look at everything that she does. What are your motives? Do you give, serve, help at food bank or gatehouse or lead in Sager or Pathfinders or act as a deputy warden or on the welcome team because you want everyone to know what a wonderful person you are? Announce it with trumpets, it says here. Andrew's on the coffee rotor this week. Actually, you wouldn't really want that because you'd probably get instant coffee from me, so you wouldn't like it, but, uh, but you see what I mean. So Jesus, pointing to our deepest motivation, says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say that if you are performing a a religious act, an act of piety, something good, so that others will look at you and think better of you, then you are a hypocrite. The word that we translate as hypocrite here is the same word that is used for an actor in the theater. It was a person who put on a a mask, who showed you a different face from the real one, masking what they really thought. I'm really enjoying Woolfall. Anybody else enjoying Woolfall? I'm really enjoying Hall. It's great. Mark Rylance is acting Thomas Cromwell. I happen to love the novels of Hilary Mantel, and I'm fascinated by the 1530s. Rylance's acting is so good that I find that I forget that I'm watching an actor, and I really think that he is Cromwell, although actually Cromwell was much worse than he's portrayed in War IV. But anyway, we won't go into that, although he was also a great man. I'm getting carried away. Um, <laughs> my point is that when you look at the, the acting, it really does seem like Cromwell, and that is great acting, really great acting. What is great for actors is bad for those trying to follow Jesus. We are not, Jesus says here, we are not to put on an act to to impress others. One of the reasons that we offer prayer ministry at services here in St. Andrews is so that we can take off these masks. We can come and tell someone in total confidence what our struggles are, and the prayer ministry team are here to help people with that. But prayer ministry is just one option. Many Christians, perhaps some of you here, choose to be in relationship with someone or some people to whom they are accountable and with whom they can pray about personal struggles, with whom they can completely take off their mask and be very honest. It's a very helpful thing for us to be able to do. Incidentally, don't let's beat ourselves up too much because there's plenty of hypocrisy, plenty of mask wearing outside the church as well as in it. Just look around your office or your classroom uh, the clothes that people wear, the cars they drive, the persona they adopt when they walk out into the public. Perhaps the whole celebrity culture thing is essentially hypocritical. BAFTAs tonight will be a celebration of it. It's just human nature, we could say. We're hypocrites because we don't want people to see our flaws. But we're also hypocrites because we like to be liked and respected. We want people to think better of us than we really are. Just as often as hiding a sin, we want to appear good. And for those of us in the church, we get this image of what a, real, a really good Christian looks like, and we try to be that, or at least look like that. So in Matthew 6, here in these, this little section, Jesus is challenging the new Christian community that is coming into existence not to put on a face or a mask of righteousness, when we do our good deeds. We shouldn't serve the poor and the homeless, pray, tithe, fast, or do any other religious act so that people inside or outside the church think that we are holier than we really are. We should do them because we are serving and loving our Father in heaven and seeking to please Him. We should do them because we are obediently loving our neighbors as ourselves. In a sense, I think that's fairly obvious from the text, but I wonder where the real test comes, where the real struggle is for you and me in these issues. So let me take off my mask for a moment and tell you where I might struggle, if this helps to help you. Oh, I hope it does. But um, first, let me just say, I tend to make a judgment about people's intentions sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. I judge whether people are really, really intending, you know, what they're really intending to be and do. But, of course, I might be wrong. And I suspect that I'm not alone in this. We make snap judgments and decide the intentions of other people, and we simply are not able to do that accurately. We may or may not be right. Let me give you an example If you went to the emergency food bank or to Gatehouse or Emmaus or a homeless shelter, you will find two volunteers standing next to each other. For all intents and purposes, they look to be exactly the same. They're sacrificing time with their families. They're taking time off work. They're spending a few hours giving food to people who are hungry. And it's a good thing to serve others. But one person is there because she's trying to bring glory to God and she's learning to love those people as herself. And the other is there because she wants others to think that she's a good person, or that she believes, perhaps even more hypocritical, perhaps and dangerous, she believes that God will show her special favor because she served in this way. And the thing is, you can't tell the difference. They look exactly the same. It's impossible for us to know. But we are told that God does not judge by outward appearance, but by the heart. When uh, Samuel selects David, we are told that God uh, did not look at the outward appearance, his height uh, or his good looks. It says the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, So when God chose David to be king, he didn't choose the most handsome or the strongest of Jesse's sons, because God looks at something a lot deeper than that. And the truth is, however hard we look, we can never be 100% certain that we see what someone's heart is really, really like, because we tend to look at the outward appearance, not at the heart, because we're not God. But God sees. God sees. We can't tell, but God can, so be careful how we judge others. The second trap is that I act from mixed motives, and perhaps you do too. Actually, I've I've concluded that this is what Jesus is referring to, but it's rather obscure saying about the left hand not knowing what the right is doing. You should try doing that sometimes. It's actually extremely difficult to do that. In fact, I think it's impossible. I I sort of think Jesus is smiling broadly, perhaps, on the hillside when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he says this, the left, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Maybe they all started waving their hands around, wondering, how could I do my left hand without my right hand knowing what it was? It's a very interesting little moment in the sermon, I think. We're double-minded. We're pulled in two directions. We operate from mixed motives. And I don't think any of us get their motives right all the time. There are times when we have the right motives, and there are times when we don't. I'm not a hypocrite all the time. I don't want to be a hypocrite at all, but I am sometimes. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I made friends with a lovely man uh, here at St. Andrews who was doing the uh, Ocker course, the apologetics course down the road here. And many of you will remember him. Uh, His name was Bruce Beard, and he was here with his wife, Phyllis. And I discovered that Bruce loved fishing, which, as you all know from my sermons, I do as well. So when he was in Scotland, I invited Bruce to come for a day and join a group of us fishing on the River Don near Aberdeen. He duly came and caught nothing. It was, as usual in Scotland, completely useless. My motive in asking him was entirely pure. I wanted him to experience fishing in a beautiful part of Scotland. I was genuinely, genuine in that. So bad was the fishing, though, that he said later, hey man, he's American, he talks like that, hey man, why, why don't we go somewhere we might actually catch something? Which is a good question. Well, if you want to catch salmon these days, the place to go is Russia, quite a long way away compared with Aberdeen. So I jokingly said to him, Russia. Right, he said, fix it up. And I did. And I went as his guest. Now, fishing on the Don in Scotland is the equivalent for a soccer fan, say, of being asked to watch Swindon play Stevenage or something like that, you know. I mean, you've got to be a genuine football nut to want to, want to do that. You've got to be a genuine fishing nut to go to Aberdeen to fish on the Don. Going to Russia for a fisherman is like being invited to the World Cup final, okay? Unbelievable. My first invitation was pure. I genuinely wanted him to come and fish in Scotland. If I was to invite him to Scotland again now, in the hope that I would get another invitation to Russia, then I would be a hypocrite. Mercifully, he asked me back anyway. (laughs) But you see what I mean. You see how it works. We have times when it gets right, when we get it right, and and times when we get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, the temptation is to beat ourselves up for it. That's why Jesus gives good, practical advice to help us here. He says this, if we are tempted to put on a face, I will give so that others think that I am a good Christian person, or I will give so that I get something back. Jesus' solution is found here in verse 3. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret avoid the risk of hypocrisy by doing it without making a fuss about it do it in secret do your very best to keep your motives pure and say no to actions prompted by hypocrisy that will be a great characteristic of christian community a great characteristic use the principle that jesus says do your acts of righteousness in secret And of course, I know what you're thinking, or you might be thinking, you think, but if I do them in secret, then people like you, people like me, will try to judge my intentions because you don't see me serving, because it's in secret, so you'll make a judgment. And that's true. Even when we're not being hypocritical, some people will think we're being hypocrites. That's tough. I'm sorry. It's a good thing that the only person we need to please is God alone, who sees what we do in secret. So in conclusion, the church will probably never be free of hypocrites. I don't say that because I'm pessimistic. I just know that I don't intend to leave the church. But imagine for a moment what it would look like, what uh, would, uh, what, 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 what it would be, um, what the difference that it would make if, through God's grace and enabling, We simply recognized our hypocrisy honestly and took one step closer, maybe even tonight, one step closer to taking off that mask to live to please God and God alone. When I read the Bible, I'm reminded that the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, His forgiveness and mercy, which we remember so powerfully in this communion service, which we will in a minute, It's not just for the person who's becoming a Christian. It's not just for the person who's moving from darkness into light, although it is, of course, for them. The forgiveness and mercy of the good news is also for me. As far as I've come in my growth with God, I'm still a long way off, as you are. And I find myself in need of His forgiveness, and sometimes for this sin of hypocrisy, people wanting to seem something that I'm not to other people. As a vicar, I'm still sometimes tempted to put on my religious face and seek the acceptance of others instead of of God. I do sometimes look at someone and try to judge their intentions. I do that sometimes. And then I beat myself up because I should have known better to seek other people's approval or to make an assessment of another person's intentions when I can't see their heart. Last week we saw that Jesus encourages us to aim for perfection, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But Jesus, of course, knows that because of the fall, because of sin, we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But He does expect His community, this new community, the disciples that He's teaching on the mountainside, He does expect us to seek His forgiveness and to try through His strength to take steps closer to him and further away from hypocrisy. I know I'm not perfect, but I assure you, though you might find it hard to believe, I am better than I used to be. So take a moment as you come to communion this evening. Ask yourself, what area of my life is God speaking to me about right now? What area of my life is there a contradiction between my profession of my faith, and what I am doing in my life? What areas of my life am I being hypocritical in? Where have I put a mask on, which I hope very much that people won't see through? And then say, as you come to communion, in your heart, say tonight, Lord, I want your forgiveness for that area of my life. I want to be open and honest in that area of my life. Please help me to be more authentic and seek only your approval. Perhaps we can pray that as we come to communion. And then let's go out and do our acts of righteousness in secret. No one will know. Let's pray. we recognize before you father that so much of the teaching of the sermon on the mount is so cu- countercultural so different to what the world expects so different to what is pressing us all the time to be like the world and yet we know that we can stand before you forgiven sinners that we are washed clean by the blood of jesus which we're going to remember powerfully in a few minutes we can be honest before you and we can be honest with one another help us to be the kind of community that allows people to take off their masks and then do good for those around us. For Christ's sake, amen.